here again. And that's an awesome, brand new song. I love when the team busts out the fresh stuff. We try to keep our worship right up front on the brand new stuff that you're hearing on the radio and listening to. And that, that worship song is so meaningful, it's so good. I'm so glad we got to share it for the first time together right here. We're about to jump into our next talk in this series that we've been going through called Peace Thief. And every week we're looking at something that is stealing peace from us, a, a space the enemy tries to use to, to steal peace from us, but we know Jesus has peace for us. So we're looking at what's getting in the way of that, and we're trying to speak some truth at it and apply that truth to our lives. We're ready to jump into week number two right now. Would you just pray with me before we get started? Dear God, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you that Jesus has come to give us peace with you and to help us experience peace here in this life. We pray that, that you'd help us see that in your word today. That those who need strength would find strength in what you have for us. That those who need peace would experience peace. That those who need encouragement would find encouragement right now. Just do your thing. We need you. We don't need me. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a peace thief that comes to steal peace from you. And the peace thief we're talking about right now in this message is imagine trouble. And I, and I call this message, I smell, I smell trouble. There's this verse I want to read right before we jump into it. It's kind of the centerpiece for what we're going to be talking about. Everything's going to kind of swirl around this passage in Genesis, and I just want to get you set up with your word, whether that's on a device or you actually have a Bible um, in front of you or, or using an app. I just want you to get set up for the rest of this message, and so I want to read this to you. It's in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 7. It says, In great fear and distress... Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Imagine trouble. I, I smell trouble. I smell trouble coming. I smell trouble, and my guess is that maybe you've been dealing with this yourself. You look to the future, you think about tomorrow, and you just smell trouble on the horizon. Your thief of peace is imagined trouble. We're, I was coaching a minor league baseball game not too long, long ago. My little guy was a uh, He's not so little anymore. He's on the mound in this minor league baseball game. So exciting. It's such a great team. It was so much fun. And, uh, you know, he's got all these friends that are playing baseball with him. And they were such a good group, rooting for each other and helping each other out. And this was ball. I mean, we are playing some baseball. This team is legit. And we're having tons of fun doing it. These little baseball players are like clubbing it when they're up to bat. And when they're on the field, they're just seriously throwing some awesome glove work. Don't, don't judge me for getting excited about minor league baseball teams. I'm not talking about minor league like right before major league. I'm talking about like minor league like, like 
little minor league baseball. Anyway, we're playing this game away at the opposing team's field, and we're there in the dugout, and my boy is out pitching on the mound, and the team's all going crazy, and he's a, he's a great pitcher, loves pitching, loves baseball. He, he can bring it. He happened to just throw a couple too low on this, at, this, at this batter, and so one of his buddies was behind him playing second base, and I didn't notice it at first, and some other coaches thought we heard it, but we didn't really hear it. He starts yelling and hit him in the face. <laughs> hey, man, just, just aim for his face. Hit him in the face. And I'm like, now, wait a minute. Did you hear that? Like, I don't, oh, no. Like, imagining the emails that I'm going to get from parents. Imagine trouble about how the parents of the other kids are. Now, these are minor leaguers, right? They're just facing pitching from their peers for the first time in their lives and generally speaking not with our team but generally speaking when they're facing some kids their age pitching the thing that's lacking is accuracy I mean I've seen more kids hit by pitches this year than ever in my life you get balls that won't even hit the backstop that's how misthrown they are like kids are just trying to figure out pitching they're just and so you got a bunch of batters who for the very first time in their life they're facing pitching from their peers and it's scary they're gonna get beaned sometimes they even get beaned with the coach by the coach in practice it's just a scary thing for a young kid to be dealing with overcoming their fears in the batter's box in minor league it's a big deal so you can imagine this kid, he's standing there up to bat, and we're sitting there thinking we're hearing what we're hearing, realizing the second baseman, the good buddy of my son who's on the mound, is trying to encourage my son, is trying to help him out. And, and what he's saying is, hit the catcher in the face, because you're throwing it a little low. Hit the aim for the catcher's face, but it's getting lost in the interpretation. And when you're imagining trouble for yourself, you're losing a ton of stuff in interpretation. So this kid, he's up to bat, and he's like, no, no, I don't want to. Is he saying, he's saying, is he saying hit me in the face? He's saying, he's saying hit me in the face. This pitcher's going to aim for my face. I don't want to bat anymore. Can I get out of this? I don't want to bat. And coaches don't realize what's going on. They're like, what are you doing? Get closer to the plate. You're never going to hit it from there. Kids like backing out of the box. Backing out of the box. No, you got to get closer to the plate. You're never going to hit it because you're not close. He's saying, he's saying, hit him. He's saying, hit him in the face. Hit him in the face. <laughs> it took me a moment to realize what was going on. Like, oh, you can't. Uh, fortunately, my kid struck out the next batter, probably because the batter was scared to death that he was going to hit him in the face. We got out of the inning, and we brought the team, and we're like, yo, we know you're just telling him to aim at the catcher's face, but you really can't say it like that. Here's a better way to say it, and uh, imagine trouble. And, and some of you, you're living like that kid in the batter's box. You're losing a whole lot to interpretation. You're imagining trouble for you with every ache and pain you feel, with every cough or sneeze that you have. You're imagining the worst for your life. And that's just not faith. I get it. I, de I deal with it. I, I told you this series is all about talking about things that have been stealing my peace 
over the last couple months. So I'm there with you. We imagine trouble. We smell it coming. And it messes with us so much. We end up having this imagined trouble feeding our fears. It steals our peace. And it messes with your future. And here's the worst part about this thief. This, this thief of imagined trouble. When you are imagining trouble, when, when you are imagining the worst for your life, when you are imagining everything falling apart for you, when you are imagining trouble, it's not just stealing peace from your heart. It is filling you and overflowing you with anxiety. That's the most devastating part about this, this peace thief. It steals peace and it replaces it with anxiety. It steals the little peace you have and it overflows your heart with anxiety. My guess is that a lot of your anxiety is fixated on imagined trouble. You're staying awake up at night. You're scanning WebMD and the internet, typing in symptoms into your computer. You're stressing out and worried and getting yourself torn up in knots. Your, your, your anxiety is sinking you over things that are never going to happen. Or things that if they do happen, you'll have time to deal with it when they do how imagine trouble it, it, it works it steals your peace it fills you with anxiety and you fixate on things that aren't real yet you can't even let those things go because you feel if you let them go then they're going to be real if i stop worrying about my health then something really bad is going to happen with my health if i stop freaking out about my finances then i'm really going to sink if i stop worrying about school then it's there's not going to be any it's going to be awful like i got, I got to hold on to the anxiety as if somehow it gives us some sense of control but we're being drowned by things that are imagined and not real it's sinking us Imagine trouble. We spend all this time dealing with anxiety and wrestling with anxiety and letting anxiety affect us over things that aren't going to happen. And even if they do happen, we'll have time and space to deal with them when they do. It creeps into our lives in, in little ways and in big ways. The anxiety over imagined trouble it creeps into our lives in little ways. Like sometimes we just learn to, to, to walk on eggshells. Like every moment, like imagine in your house, sometimes this happens to us, we imagine trouble. We imagine that things aren't good, you know, like things aren't good at home. There's a tension. We're not on the same page. We've been fighting a lot. We start to imagine trouble. Things are going down. Things are going to be bad. What if, they, what if they leave me? What if they disown me? What if they stab me in the back? What if I'm not... What if, what if this is the beginning of the end and you start walking on eggshells? You start walking on eggshells expecting everything to be looked at with scrutiny, expecting everything to be wrong. You're worried about it going wrong because of this imagined trouble that you have. And when you are walking on eggshells, you're living in this kind of like fight or flight kind of moment where you're just on edge in your relationship. And tell me, how's that going to work 
towards bringing you to relational health? How does walking on eggshells make things better at home? It doesn't because relationships don't get better when you're walking on eggshells and living reactive to each other. Imagine trouble creeps in in little ways and all of a sudden it changes the course of the whole thing. And instead of your relationship moving towards health by having real honest conversations, by getting to the deeper emotions, walking on eggshells because of imagined trouble has you actually going in the wrong direction like some self-fulfilling prophecy. Sometimes it creeps into our lives in small ways like that. Sometimes it just sideswipes us in really big ways. An anxiety that can be triggered by any number of little or big things, but just wipes you right off like you hear about somebody having these symptoms and all of a sudden they're similar to your symptoms and you start thinking, man, this is it. The cancer's got me. It's all going to go downhill. Like I'm not going to make it because you have this pain in your side and somebody else had this pain in their side and their pain in their side was because of some tumor and your pain in your side has to be because of some tumor. Not, it can't be because you ate some bad Chinese food and then topped it off with some, some slices of pizza and then finished those up with some jalapeno poppers and slugged it all down with some kind of frothy carbonated beverage and woke up with some pain in your side. It can't be because of that. It has to be because you're dying. It can be triggered by all kinds of different things. The anxiety of imagined trouble. I smell it coming. I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. It, it creeps in in little ways and it sideswipes us in really big ways when we imagine trouble around every corner. And your body doesn't know the difference. Your, your, your physical body doesn't know the difference between your imagined trouble and real trouble. So you end up living on edge. That's why anxiety can make you sick in the stomach, cause you to sweat, have all kinds of sweaty palms or, you know, just it, it can cause you to, to your heart to race or you feel weak. It, it can cause all kinds of physical reactions because your body doesn't tell the difference between imagined trouble and real trouble. You're living at a heightened state on edge when you're living by imagined trouble and what you're letting it go and that's just no place to live you see this is my thing this is what i wrestle with this is my thorn in my side one of the biggest struggles in my life personally is my battle with imagined trouble and the anxiety that it brings into my life. And when I'm wrestling with it, I'm living on edge. I'm living on that fight or flight edge because my body doesn't know the difference between the real trouble I have to deal with and the imagined trouble that's feeding my fears that I'm projecting onto a future that hasn't even happened 
yet. I'm living on edge. And when you're living on edge, it starts to affect all of your other relationships. It starts to affect all of the other parts of your life. You try taking it to the next level of health in your marriage when you're living on fight or flight edge every second of every day. You try to get the promotion by 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 being present and real and doing a great job at work when you're just living on fight or flight edge because of imagined trouble. You see, I get it because this is my thorn in my side. And what I've learned about imagined trouble is you aren't just wrestling with your future. You're wrestling with your past. And you shouldn't be wrestling with either of them. It's not a faith based perspective on life. It's not the worldview we're supposed to have. It's not how we're supposed to approach our future. It's not how we're supposed to deal with our past. Wrestling with either one is no good. We're supposed to wrestle with something different. Esau had, for sure, it's understandable why he felt this way from his past. And it may be understandable why you feel that way about your future, imagining trouble in your future based on your past. I know there's things in my past that, that trigger me and help me to imagine real things in my past. Losing a mom fast to pancreatic cancer because of pain in her abdomen that sprung up real fast and was found real late. Guess what? That really affects my view of my future whenever I have unrecognizable symptoms that are similar to hers. Like, it's understandable why these things come from our past and start to affect our future. Why how wrestling with our past ends up with us wrestling with our future. It's understandable why it happens, but it's still not where we're supposed to live as people of faith. Esau, he had done a terrible, terrible or Jacob had done a terrible thing to his brother Esau. If you don't know the story, it's found in Genesis chapter 30 all the way through the, the next couple chapters. We're going to mostly sit in 32 here. Um, but Esau had tr was a younger brother, or Jacob was a younger brother to Esau, and Jacob had tricked his father to make a really long and a really important story, very short. Esau had, tr or Jacob, sorry, had tricked his father into giving him the blessing that was supposed to go to the firstborn son. He gave him the blessing and all the rights and everything that went with it. In that day and age, it was a big deal. It wasn't just status. It wasn't just, oh, you're the firstborn. It had to do with everything, the state, the, the, the blessing, the property, all of it. Jacob stole, manipulatively stole that blessing from Esau. He literally had his mom scheme with him. They went out. He dressed up, like made, him a, made his blind father as big meal pretended to be his brother so that he could get his blessing and stole the blessing Esau found out about it and said as soon as my father is in the grave guess what I'm going to do I'm going to kill Jacob talk about a messed up family talk about some jacked up circumstances talk about a reason to project imagine trouble on your future this is all like legit stuff Esau was ready to kill him and rightfully so, Jacob had done some terrible stuff to his brother. His life had gone on and he had left in fear for his life at his mom's orders. And the plan was that as soon as things settle down, you can come back 
home. As soon as Esau gets past it, you can come back home. Jacob goes on and he gets married and his flock grows and he hangs out with his mom's brother and it's, it's just, uh, things are just kind of moving on. And as Jacob's going through life, his, it's just, everything's kind of growing. And he comes to this place where he realizes that he's going to meet Esau on the road. Like, He's going to run into Esau. It's going to happen. And that's where we picked up with that verse 7. It was with great fear as he's thinking about what's going to happen to him when he meets Esau. As he's imagining that Esau's going to kill him. As he's imagining what Esau's going to do to him and his wives and his flocks and his people. He's stuck in such great fear. And he says, i got to divide it up. This is going to be bad. But maybe if I prepare for the worst I can, I can save a small part of it. He's imagined trouble, and he's preparing for the worst, so he splits his group into two, and he prays a prayer to Jacob because God had promised Jacob something. Even as terrible as Jacob was, he had a promise. Even as undeserving as he was, he had a promise. Even as much of a mess as he, even though he was a scoundrel, the biggest tool in the tool shed, a manipulative punk, somebody you don't want to hang out with, just a terrible person, even though he was the worst, he still had a promise. I know some of you think you don't deserve anything because your past is so bad. I know some of you think you can't have a good future because you have been so terrible. I know some of you think you can't come out of the family like you came out of and have anything different. I know how some of you are projecting your past onto your future. You're imagining trouble. You smell it coming and you're just waiting for the shoe to drop in your life. I know some of you aren't even trying to reach out because you think you don't deserve it. Imagine trouble. But even as bad as Jacob was, he had a promise. It says in verse 20 in chapter 28 that the Lord that God met him in a dream and said, "I am the Lord your God, the father of Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants land in which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread to the west, from the west to the east, the north and the south. All the people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I'm with you. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. And yet here he is, even with a promise, one sure he didn't deserve, but one that was given to him because God is gracious and loving. He had a promise. He's forgotten his promise. He's imagining the worst. His faith is not engaging to say, I'm going to make it because God promised me to bring me back to this land. God promised to be with me. God promised this wouldn't be my end. He prays and he asks God to to go back. He said, uh, he asked God, he prays next. It's something he hasn't done often, but he says, save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and, and the mothers and the children. But you have said, surely I will make you prosper and I will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. And if you're imagining trouble for your life, you need to remember the promise. God said he will be with you. 
that it says in Romans that nothing can separate you from his love. I don't care what treatments you have laying ahead, what health issues you're facing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. His presence is with you. If you are his child, remember the promises. It's the first time that Jacob, I feel, gets something really right. He's in this moment where he's imagining trouble and he breaks away for just a second to pray and to remember what God has promised him. He ends up going and what happens next is this crazy, crazy story where Jacob actually wrestles with God. He had sent everybody off. He was all alone and a man came and wrestled with him till daybreak. He could not overpower him, so he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched And as he wrestled with the man. The man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? And Jacob answered. And then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me your name? And then he blessed him there. And Jacob left from that day forward with a limp in his hip. You see here, Jacob does what needed to be done. He had to wrestle with God. And find a new identity in him. He had to fight for the blessing. And that's what you got to do like right now. If your anxiety is creeping up. If imagine trouble has been stealing your peace. If you're looking at your future and you're waiting for the worst to happen. You're walking around on eggshells because you think it's about to all go down. You need to stop wrestling with your past. Just because that junk happened back there doesn't mean it's going to happen new for you in your future. You're not the same person today as you were yesterday. And you're going somewhere different from where you once were. Stop wrestling with your past. Our faith frees us from our past. God removes the sins as far as the east is from the west. He, he writes us a new course and he gives us a new heart. Your past doesn't have any grip on you. You don't have to wrestle with it anymore. I know there's some junk back there. I know there's some skeletons in your closet. You can start to ignore them because God is doing something new in you. You don't have to wrestle with your past and you don't have to wrestle with your future. God has plans for you and a future for you. He is leading you somewhere new. You can't change tomorrow by worrying about it. What you can do is wrestle with the right stuff now so that you can step into a better future tomorrow. That's what we got to stop wrestling with. You stop wrestling with the future and imagine trouble that you see there and stop wrestling with your past. And if you are dealing with this peace thief right now, what you need to start to do is you need to start to wrestle with God. Time to fight for the blessing in your life. You don't feel like you don't deserve it? Well, neither did Jacob. Time to fight for the blessing in your life. Your future, you feel like it's filled with turmoil and tragedy and it's going to be awful fight for the blessing of God right now ask him for his favor ask him to prepare you fight and wrestle with God right now wrestle with him 
not your past or your future. There's some quick lessons from this passage. One, wrestle from God and fight for your blessing. That's the most important thing. I've had to take what I have felt to be a physical issue as I've imagined symptoms that I've had becoming future terror in my life. I've had to realize it's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual one. And what I need to do is I need to wrestle this out with God. I need to fight for his blessing. I need him to give me his peace inside. And as I've turned my eyes off of my health and off of my future and off of my past to God, what's happened is he's given me peace in the midst of the chaos. He's taken my fears. He toned them down in my life. He's made them manageable suddenly realize that no matter what happens next, I can be okay with him, that he will take care of me, that he will take care of the people I love, that if I'm walking with him, there's no circumstance I face that can sink and destroy me. Wrestle with God, not your past or your future. Start fighting for a blessing in your life. To do that, you have to take your eyes off of your future and your past. You need to place them on God and start to work out with fear and trembling what he has for you. The second thing that we need to do is we need to embrace the new identity that God has for us. You're not the same. Jacob's name was, it was associated with him being such a loser so far in his life. Such a terrible person, treated people closest to him terribly. But here, as he wrestles with God, God gives him a new identity. He says, your name's no longer Jacob. It's Israel. You're, you're not going to go from this place and be demised. You're going to walk with a limp, but you're heading in a new direction. We need to embrace the new identity that God has for us. You see, when you're facing imagined trouble, you need to remember you're no longer a slave. It says in Galatians 4, 7, you are no longer a slave, but you are a son. You are no longer a slave, you are a son or daughter. You're no longer a slave to sin, you are a son or daughter of God. You are no longer a slave to your past, you are a son or daughter of God. You are no longer a slave to what they said your future was going to look like. You are a son or a daughter of God. Embrace your new identity. You're not who you were, and you're going somewhere different. The third thing I think is so important to realize is that a blessed future is not a perfect future, but it's a secure one. Your future is not going to be perfect. Following Jesus doesn't mean everything's going to go right. doesn't mean you're not ever going to get sick. doesn't mean your things aren't ever going to be tough. But you can have security in the midst of any circumstance. That's an important difference. I had to realize as I was imagining trouble for myself in my future. It's, it's an important thing to realize that I don't, it's not going to be great. That sometimes I'm going to get a bad doctor report. That sometimes something's going to happen, you know. But I have a secure future because of my faith. Jesus said in John 10, like, no one can take my people, my sheep, they know my, my voice. They, they know my voice and nothing can take them from my grasp. It's security. That's what our faith teaches us. It doesn't mean everything's going to be great. 
but it means that I will be okay, that God will see me through, that nothing can separate me from his love, nothing can steal me from his grasp. God's got me. The fourth thing that I think is so important is you got to have the right people in the room. Having the right people in the room is something I've worked through practically as I have wrestled with this. It's so important. Like I told you, my, this is my thorn in my side. I have wrestled with this my entire life. And thank God, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. And one of the most important things I realized in dealing with this is having the right people around you. The right people are people that you should find in this community. The right people are people that understand you. They don't judge you. They're not going to pretend with you. They get you. They know what you need, and they know how to encourage you. In 1 Thessalonians, he, he, it says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. And if you're dealing with this, you need people in your life who will gently and consistently build you up. They know how to subtly, they don't downplay your fears. They know how to subtly but directly point you back to where your eyes need to be looking. They know how to speak life and truth and remind you of the security you have because of your faith. They, they know how to remind you of, of who God is. They know how to remind you that this battle is not one with your past or with your future. It's one with right now, with God. They know how to help you embrace your new identity. You need to have the right people in the room. I do so much better now when this thing gets triggered by somebody's symptoms or gets triggered by something I'm feeling, when this thing gets triggered by something I see or a story somebody tells me. I, I do so good now as I'm honest with the people about those triggers in my life. The, the right people in the room, they help you see past those triggers to the reality that you're living in now. They help reassure you that it's going to be okay, and they help remind you of who God is. They keep you in check. Have the right people in the room. And last, just say it out loud. There's something really important about saying stuff out loud. In Proverbs 18 and verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, we have all of these scripts that roll in the background of our heads when we're dealing with anxiety and imagine trouble in our future. All of these voices and thoughts we have rolling back in our head and sometimes they get downright crazy. Like I've already convinced myself of crazy, crazy things that when I say them out loud, I realize how crazy they are. That they're not truth. When I say it out loud, I know it's not the truth about me. When I say it out loud, I know it's not the truth about my future. It's disarming and it takes that power away from those thoughts. The tongue is a powerful thing. Use it for your good. Speak truth in love out loud. When you're wrestling with your anxiety about imagined trouble in your future, when you're losing your peace and it's stealing it from you, and you have that script running in your head, Speak it out loud to yourself and see how it sounds. It'll steal some of the power away. Philippians 4, it teaches us that the peace of God that transcends all of our circumstances, the peace Jesus has for us, the peace His Spirit brings to us, that's what protects our hearts and minds. It protects them from imagined trouble. 
It protects them from the anxiety you're feeling in your heart that's overwhelming. And it ushers peace back into your soul and your life. It's the peace of God we need. And in Colossians 3.15, it says, let his peace reign in your heart. So, make a choice now. If you're dealing with this peace thief, make a choice now to stop wrestling with your past and live in the grace God has for you today. Stop worrying about your future and realize none of the worry you give your future today does any good. It Tomorrow is tomorrow's problem. You'll have time to deal with it then, and 80% of the things you're worried about in tomorrow never will happen anyway. Today, let peace reign today, right now. Take a breath. Realize who God is and who you are to God. You are no longer a slave to your circumstances. You are a son or a daughter to him, and he loves you. Let peace reign now. Stop the thief of imagined trouble. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that we don't have to be a slave to our past. We don't have to be a slave to sin. We don't have to be a slave to our anxiety. We don't have to be a, a slave to imagined trouble. Help us to stop approaching life like that, but to live in faith, knowing that you have our tomorrow and you will take care of us, that you will see us through whatever. Whatever it is that we have to face, we trust you with tomorrow. We're done wrestling with our future and we're done wrestling with our past. We're just going to wrestle it out with you knowing that you have our good, that you, that you hold us, that you will give us a new identity. In Jesus' name, amen.